Thank you for listening to this podcast from Bethel Family Worship Center. I want to speak tonight on the, the second part of a message that we began last week on roots run deep. Roots run deep. Say that with me. Roots run deep. On, I believe it was last week when I talked about the ability of a palm tree that it has the ability in a storm to lay down completely flat. It's so flexible that it, its hamstrings do not bother it. Now, if I told you to be in a standing position and kneel, reach down and touch your toes with your legs completely straight, that would be a challenge for me and maybe for some others. You know, I know there's some limber folk among us, but a palm tree in the middle of a severe storm has the ability to lay down flat and then come back up again. And I think the reason that it has the ability to do that is because its roots run deep. You know, we read the scripture that talked about the tree that's planted by the water whose, we, whose leaves will not wither. Tell your neighbors, say your leaves are still looking good. Your, your leaves are still looking good. <laughs> In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul began to admonish the church of Corinth. And one of the ways that he does that in verse 58 is he gives a scripture that is, in my opinion, is, is a word for now and a word for this season that we are living in in the year of 2023, about to crest our way into spring. He said, therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Somebody say, that's my testimony. I like what Paul says, you know, obviously he's addressing the church because he says, brethren. <laughs> I don't know if you have uh, addressed anybody this week by calling them sistren or brethren, but that's the language that he uses. And he says, my beloved brethren. How many have used the word beloved this week? My beloved. Uh, well, praise the Lord. We've got one that has. Amen. It's not a word you hear a lot of, but it's a word of affection. It's a word of affirmation. When someone says that you are beloved or loved, or if they just tell you, I love you, it just makes you feel warm and fuzzy inside and brings to you the affirmation that you are loved and cared for and thought of highly. Paul says to the church that he had to correct often because this church was a very charismatic church. There was lots of going on in the church. Of a lot of extra people being extra. Paul had to send letters and tell admonishments and say, I hear you doing this, cut it out. But he had that relationship and he had the ability to speak as a father because he had birthed many churches into many church existence. And he says, you are my beloved brethren, so be ye steadfast and unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. I need that portion every Monday morning. Amen. When I'm just getting my venti iced coffee with no classic syrup with six pumps of sugar-free vanilla and extra almond milk, I need to know that I am being steadfast, unmovable, and always abounding in the work of the Lord. I've, I have used this verse to encourage people. Because then he goes on and tags the end. He says, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. When we used to live in Lafayette, Indiana, before we moved to Indianapolis, we were transitioning as state youth directors who was preaching all across the state. And we started pastoring the church here and we were driving back and forth on Wednesdays and on Sundays and it took a minute for our house to sell. And I remember while we were trying to sell our house that a big oak tree in my neighbor's front yard had uh, fallen because of a severe storm that had hit in Lafayette. It was blown down by the winds. And it, and it had been raining for days and the, the ground was saturated. And 
I walked out one morning to go um, into, to get in my vehicle and I was surprised to see this big tree uh, on the left side that had fallen down on these neighbor's property and somewhat onto the corner of my property as well. And it wasn't a tornado that came through. It you know, wasn't a hurricane, obviously, because we live too far north, but uh, it was windy and the winds were so strong. But you know, you don't really think of it being too strong because in our part of the country, especially in Indiana where it's flat, uh, you can be driving up 465 and get blown off the interstate because the wind is so strong. And so the wind had knocked it down and he had a company that was coming out to remove it. And by the time I'd gotten back to Ori on the scene with chainsaws and they were getting all of this big oak tree cleaned up and um, taking care of it. Well, I walked over and started talking to the man that was doing the repair work, him and the crew. And you can always tell who the boss is. They're the one standing with a coffee cup in their hand telling everyone else what to do. And I said to him, I said, well, what uh, caused this uh, tree to fall over? Because it didn't seem like the winds were too bad. Um, you know, and he said, well, this particular tree, being an oak tree, he says um, that the root system on this tree, it really don't go very deep. And I didn't know that about an oak tree because to me, and you know, an oak tree is the, is, is the, uh, um, the big daddy tree. And he said, most of the roots are less than 12 inches deep. You would think that the roots compared to the canopy of the tree would be deeper on this. He said, but the ground was so saturated that when the wind started blowing, the surface roots didn't have anything to anchor to. And he said the roots and the ground came loose and it caused the tree to topple over. And while he was telling me that, I looked over to the right, we had, uh, and our house was up for sale, <laughs> and uh, we had some pine trees that were on the, on the side of our house, and it, again, the ground was completely saturated, and I said, well, I hope it doesn't happen to them, and he said, well, it won't happen to them, and um, he said, that type of pine tree doesn't rely on surface roots for its stability. He said, that type of tree, its roots go so far down that it takes a hold. It said it won't even be affected by a lot of rain. And it won't be affected by a lot of wind or even loose soil because its roots run deep. And I thought, isn't that the same principle in life for all of us? Because we all have things that come against us. A health issue. Our finances get cut in half one particular season. Or maybe we have a child that gets wayward in addiction and gets off course and we don't know how to take care of Jonah. And the winds and the rain come and we are being battered with the storm. And I believe it happens to all of us. Every one of us, under the sound of my voice, deal with some storm or another. And what determines whether or not we stand strong and outlast the storm is basically how deep do your roots go? I want you to look over at your neighbor and say, Henrietta, your deep roots got to run deep. They've got to run deep. And the reason that some people are always worried and always upset and always offended in the church is because they have shallow roots. They've moved by everything and anything. If they get in congestion on Rockville Road or 465, they're giving people the tall finger. Not any of you, because you're all sanctified holy on this Wednesday night, but you know some. We know people that are moved by traffic, moved by weather, moved by a grouchy boss, moved by what somebody said against them on the internet. And they always toss to and fro and always upset, tore up from the floor up. But when you have deep roots, you know that God is in control of your life. When you know that he has you, 
in the palm of his hand when you know that no weapon formed against you shall be able to prosper, when you know that he's equipped you and empowered you and anointed you, then you're not moved by everything on the surface. Get caught in traffic, it don't move you. Have to deal with somebody's bumping gums and loose lips, it don't move you. Because you know that God is directing your steps. You know that you're not going to get offended every time somebody says something sideways to you because you know that God is your vindicator. You know that God is the one that comes in and rescues you. You don't have to live discouraged because you didn't get the promotion. You don't live in this time. You live outside of time where God says he steps in and makes a way where there is no way. There are people, maybe you're here or watching and you've made a mistake in your life, but just because you've made a mistake, you don't have to give up on your dreams. You don't have to throw in the towel because God's mercy is bigger than any mistake you could ever make in your life somebody ought to praise God right there because when your roots go down deep you're not moved by things that don't go your way write this down if you will you live in a place of peace tell somebody around you say you're not going to disturb my peace the winds may blow, the storms may calm, but you know when it's all said and done, you're still going to be standing, you're still going to be praising, you're still going to be giving people that gorgeous smile, you're still going to be encouraging somebody, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, the Lord, he is with me. Come on, somebody. I don't have to lose my victory just because of something's not going my way. That's why the scripture said, be steadfast, be unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. And do you know that's a choice? It's a choice to be steadfast. It's a choice to be unmovable. It's a choice to always be abounding in the work of the Lord. I thought about Brother Juan Canales, who many times works late on Wednesday nights, and he'll text me and say, Pastor, I'll be there at 710. I thought, oh, he's got it dialed in. He said, I'm coming in my work uniform, but I'm steadfast. I'm unmovable, and I'm always abounding in the work of the Lord. Don't get mad because I didn't brag on you. Brag on somebody and be thankful that God has given us people who are steadfast, unmovable, and always abounding in the work of the Lord. I'm not moved by my circumstance. I'm not going to let what they said or they're still saying steal away my joy. I have a destiny to fulfill. I'm not going to live my life worried over my finances I'm going to do what I can and let God do the rest because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world I don't base my value on what they say about me or how they treat me if they make me feel special if, if they don't I know who I am in Jesus Christ I'm a masterpiece I've been fearfully and wonderfully made myself worth doesn't come from people it come from the author and the finisher of my faith somebody ought to give God a benediction praise and say it's not over until God says it's over so my question tonight for myself and you am I steadfast am I unmovable do my roots go down deep if not, life is going to be a continual roller coaster. I'll be a yo-yo Christian. Up and down, up and down, up and down. Up one minute, bless you. Down the next minute. A Humpty Dumpty Christian. Come on, somebody. That when he falls off and shatters, nobody can put him back together again. A roller coaster Christian. A yo-yo Christian. One minute I'm up, the next minute I'm down. I shout on Sunday, live like the devil on Monday. Don't know how to walk in the dunamis power of God. Whew. He said, I will give you power. <laughs> 
Acts 1 and 8, behold, I give unto you power. You shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And because of that, then you shall be my witness in Judea, in Samaria, and the uttermost part. When I live like that, then I'm not lived by condition and I'm not lived by circumstance. Oh, hallelujah. I don't have to live a yo-yo life where you see me one month and you don't see me again till the next free church chicken dinner where they're selling wings with hot sauce. Oh, I can maintain victory when it's just Roman noodles. I can maintain victory when they ain't giving any freebies out. I can maintain victory when I go to the cupboard and all I find is a rusty can of hominy and an old can of green beans. God is my keeper. God is my sustainer. Oh, is anybody thankful that he's the bread of life are you thankful that he'll make a way when there is no way you ought to praise God right now not by condition but because of your position and declare I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus I am unmovable I am steadfast I am always abounding in the work of the Lord and my roots go deep Woo! Give somebody a deep praise around you. Tell them, my roots go deep. My roots go deep. As long as you're allowing circumstances to determine whether you're happy or not. Well, I'm not happy with my wife, therefore I can't be happy. My husband, my boss, my children. <laughs> I know those people and those things do not determine my happiness. Circumstances don't define my happiness. Go into the closet, try to put on something, it's too tight. I'm not going to get upset. You know, sometimes we're using faith even to try to control our circumstances. Stay with me. I've learned it's better to use my faith to control myself in the midst of circumstance. When you're in peace, you're in a place of power. When you're in a place of peace, let me say that again, you are in a place of power. That's why you can't give anybody your peace. Here's the key, though. If you don't have peace on the inside, you're not going to have power manifesting on the outside. And some people wonder why they can't have good relationships or wonder why they can't be successful or wonder why they can't just seem to get ahead in life. Could it be, and it may not be everybody, but could it be because of shallow roots? If you'll stay in peace on the inside, that means you don't fight everything that doesn't go your way. <laughs> you don't always have an opinion on Facebook. You don't have to tell everybody off. If you'll stay in a place of peace on the inside and stop being so opinionated and stop criticizing everything, oh my. And if you'll stay in peace on the inside, then you will see things different on the outside. And every morning before you leave the house, you've made the decision that nothing that happens to me today is going to upset me or steal my victory. I have the grace of God to handle anything that is thrown in my direction. Come on, somebody. And this is what I want you to write down. You have to decide ahead of time. I have to already make up my mind ahead of time. Nothing is going to steal my peace. Nobody, no me, no nothing. If the traffic's bad, I'm not going to get upset. If somebody's rude, I'm not going to get offended. If I don't get the contract or plans don't work out, I'm not going to sit around in self-pity and say, woe is me, I think I'll die. Nobody loves me. I think I'll eat worms. I don't have to go all do all that because the deeper you are, the less stressed you are. Can I hear an amen from somebody the deeper you are the less stressed you are if I take a flat rock and I throw this flat rock into a pond and it hits that water I know what's going to happen a ripple effect is going to take place 
But the ripple effect, I want you to hear me, it really only takes place where I can see it. If I throw a rock into a pond, a ripple will take place, but it will happen only really on the surface. It looks like a big disturbance. From my point of view, everything's going wrong. All this stuff is happening. But if I was to go underwater with a camera about 12 inches lower and look under the water where that rock came in, nothing was ever really affected. It's only the surface that's disturbed. The water below is still calm, my God. It's still undisturbed. It still has the victory and it's peaceful. You don't, not one fish and not one turtle will send you an email telling you that you disrupted their peace when you threw that rock into the pond. And the point is this, write this down, nothing on the surface affects the water down deep. And I'm saying that because I want to be a little teachified tonight to get you to understand one way that you can tell how deep your roots are is how easy it is for you to get upset. What makes you always lose your cool? What always makes you go off into a tantrum? Well, it's going to be quiet in here. I can already tell. What is it that always makes people have to tiptoe around you for fear of setting you off again? Oh, come on. What is it in us? If, if the pebbles that get thrown into your lake are causing you to lose joy and causing you to get frustrated, then you obviously and I obviously have to go down a little deeper. I got to go down in a little deeper. I think that's what happened here on Sunday morning in worship and the word. We went a little deeper. Somebody said, oh, you know what? Well, somebody, well, pastor, somebody's talking about me at work. They're trying to make me look better. Uh, that's why I'm all sour. Oh, come on, honey. That's just a pebble. That's just a pebble that the reason it's bothering you is you're still living on surface level. You, you up here always uptight and offended. My God, traffic was backed up, Pastor, and that made me late and I couldn't get my kids dropped off in time. It took me a whole extra hour to get home. Oh, brother, that's just a pebble that you're dealing with. When you have deep roots, you're just grateful to be alive. When you got deep roots, you're grateful to have a job. When you got deep roots, you're grateful to be healthy. When you got roots, you're not focusing on what's going wrong. You're too busy thanking God for what he's already done that is right in your life. Oh, I didn't get the promotion. That's okay. The doctor gave me a bad report. That's okay. My friends discouraged me with the betrayal, but even that don't bother me because in the Big picture, it was just a pebble. It was just a little pebble that flew into the ripple of my life, but it cannot disturb the deep places of my soul. Come on, somebody. I don't have to worry about pebbles when I know that God's going to give me beauty for my ashes. When I know he'll pay me back for unfair things, that even though the surface is disturbed, that deep down where I choose to live, whoo, it's a choice every day. Where I choose to live, I will not lose my peace and victory. I will be at rest and this too shall pass. I need you to testify to somebody around you. Let off a little steam right there. This too shall pass. The Apostle Paul said in Colossians chapter 2 and 7, rooted and built up in him. Oh, I like that first word. Maybe we should do a series called Roots Run Deep. Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith. As you have been taught, because good teaching will keep you from getting goofy and we read about you in the funny papers. 
as you have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. He's saying, let your roots grow down. What are your roots going to go deep down in? What are you putting your roots down in? Now hear me, if you trust in people, sometimes people will let you down. If you put your trust in your job, your career, your money, we all know, unfortunately, that things can change. But when you let your roots go deep down in him and you say, God, I know you're my provider. I know you're my healer. I know you're my vindicator. And I recognize that you're the source of everything that is good in my life. Then when the difficulties come, then when somebody does you wrong, then when you have an unexplained challenge that you didn't see coming, you don't fall apart and live in self-pity because you're strong and you're stable and you're immovable. Why? Because your roots run deep. Look over at somebody and say, Groot, my roots run deep. I am deep in him. You know, there was a lady in scripture that Elisha had dealt with when he promised her that she would have a child. And some workers came to her with her son in their arms. And they said, we found him laying in the field. He said, they said he had a terrible headache. And he passed out. It was so severe. They placed him in his mother's arms, her promised child. And she realized that he wasn't breathing. That he had died in her arms. This isn't what you would call a pebble. We might would call this a boulder. Everything on the surface was disturbed. And it looked like it was out of control. However, this woman of God had deep roots. I think she had already tapped into a five-fold kingdom root. Because if you read the scripture, she was a giver to the ministry. And because she was a giver to the ministry, God takes it serious when you put a demand on him. May I, may I just say that the Shunammite woman decided to build a prophet's chambers, build an addition on her house with 2023 prices <laughs> and red tape from Marion County to hurdle through. But somehow her and her husband got it done. And I don't have time to preach about the five things that were in the room. Somebody dig it out. I've preached it before, but ooh, I wish I could. But she put a demand on the anointing of, that was in the man of God by providing for him in the ministry what was of necessity for his travel. She didn't do it to get anything back. She didn't get, do it so that she got on somebody's email list. <laughs> she didn't do it so they would give her an anointed cloth, a blessed cloth, and send it to her in the mail for her giving. Mm. She didn't do it in hopes that she would get a free sample of water out of the Jordan River for her $1,000 gift. Come on, somebody. I'm having too much fun. Because you can't pimp the gospel. <laughs> 
Lord. You don't play, let's make a deal with God. He's not Monty Hall. <laughs> you can't play, let's make a deal with God. She did it from her heart with the right motivation. And by the time the man of God caught wind of her gift, he felt so compelled. Something was being pulled out of him. Demand was laid upon him. That's why if you sow much, you reap much. If you sow little, you reap little. Thank God for George Washington. He's the most faithful member of the church. You're slow, but you're worth waiting on. If you give bountifully, you will reap bountifully. She sold into the ministry with motivation that wasn't, I want nothing. But God put it in my heart. And she served the ministry. And on the other side, Elisha said, oh, I just want to bless you. What do you want? What can I give you? And the Bible said, she didn't want anything. So he just already knew by the Spirit and said, nine months from now, you're going to have a baby. Whew. Nine months later, she had the baby. The prophet's still evangelizing in the area. Years have passed. Hallelujah. Until the incident of where her son has a massive stroke in the field. Falls dead in her arms. I wonder if she didn't look back to that time and say, he lied to me. Why would God give me this child and then take him away from me? Why would God allow such a boulder in my life? I didn't plan for this. I was setting aside. I was faithful to do what God asked of me. I planted a prophet's chamber. Oh God, what more do you want from me? I did what I knew to do. Sometimes you'll do all you know to do and it won't seem like it's enough. You won't satisfy people and you won't make people happy. It's a boulder that's in her life. And so the Bible says that it, when it looked like it was out of control with her dead son, Sister Ola, laying there right in her arms, she knew that unexpected challenge was not a surprise to God. And if you follow the story in 2 Kings, she did not fall apart. She did not get bitter. Nowhere does the Bible say that she had a breakdown. Nowhere does the Bible say that she cussed anybody. Nowhere does the Bible say that she snatched her weave off and put lotion on her elbows and fought somebody. Oh, nobody want to help me there. Nobody, uh, nowhere in the scripture did she pack a gun and say, I'm going to take the prophet out. He lied to me. But may I tell you what she did do? Come on now. The Bible said that she got on her own horse. Woo! She wasn't riding her husband's horse. She was riding her own horse. Oh, if you could study about the Shunammite woman, she was a woman of great means. She was a woman of great industry. I want to thank God for every anointed woman of God that is in this house to keep the wheels on the bus of ministry, the wheels of your family. Oh, I want to thank God for every matriarch in the house of God that said, I'm going to keep living for God. If my husband won't live for God, I'll live for God. If my children won't live for God, I'll live for God. Somebody in this family has got to make it. Somebody has got to prove to the rest of the world there is a reality in living for God. Oh, I want to thank God for my mama and my grandparents who lived for God and did not relent in a world that's perverse, in a world that's full of confusion. They stood their ground steadfast, unmovable, abounding in the work of the Lord.
she got on her own horse, <laughs> headed out to see her friend, the prophet. And when he saw her coming in a hurry from a distance, <laughs> he went and sent Gehazi, one of his men, to go see if something was wrong. And they stopped her. And they asked her, ma'am, Elisha is concerned. Is everything okay? And you know what her response was? She said, it is well. And she kept on riding. Woo! She said that was the first thing that come out of her mouth. When the man of God said, is it what's going on? I can tell something's happening. Is everything okay? She didn't go on blast. She didn't bring up everything that had gone wrong. She didn't talk about yesterday. She didn't talk about how they had done her wrong when she was a child, how they had done her wrong at her job. Oh, nobody wants to help me here. She didn't put folks on blast about it. She just said to the servant, it is well, hallelujah. How can you make some kind of statement like that when you're in the middle of a crisis. How do you say it is well when the doctors say you got a heart condition? How do you say it's well when the doctors say you got cancer? How do you say it's well when you had to bury your loved one and walk away from that, uh, that casket? I want you to know the reason she could make that statement in the middle of the crisis is she wasn't living on the surface. She was living down deep. She knew that God was still on the throne. I wish I had somebody that would testify tonight and say the devil should have killed me when he had the chance. He should have took me out when he had the opportunity. But now I know too much. Now I've been through too much. Now I've been through something and I've outlived it and I've outlasted it and I've outplayed it. I need 10 people to shout yeah! I'm still here. I'm still here. I'm still here. Tell your neighbor, it is well. Man, this is one fired up Wednesday night crowd. Yes, he will. She knew that he could make a way when it didn't look like there was a way. And the Bible said that Elisha ended up going down to her house and prayed for the little boy and he was healed. He came back to life, a great miracle. But like this lady, sometimes it's not a pebble that's thrown in your water, it's a boulder. Because we all face unexpected challenges, things that we didn't see coming. A loss, a layoff, a divorce, sickness, and to be easy to get overwhelmed. It would be easy to walk around in self-pity wondering, what if I had done this? Maybe I'm just reaping what I sowed. But if you go down deeper, you find that you don't even have to talk about the problem. If you go down deeper, you'll find you don't even have to complain about how life's treating you. Instead, like this lady, you got a report of victory. All is well. All is well. Because she knew God could make a way. And when you have deep roots, even when life throws a boulder at you, when you should panic, that's when you get the peace that surpasses your understanding. And you have the strength to endure the enemy because he did his best. He thought for sure I was going to topple over. 
He knew I was going to remain depressed and be on medication the rest of my life. And if you're on medication, don't you get mad at me. The devil knew for sure that I would give up, but he miscalculated it. What he could not see, Brother Wesley, what was underneath me, what was deeper in me, Pastor. He didn't realize that you had deep roots. He didn't realize that you were, uns that you were steadfast. Brother Timmy, that you were unmovable, that you were always abounding in the work of the Lord. Yeah, he changed my circumstance, but I wasn't rooted in circumstance. I was rooted in position. I want you to write this down before I close as they come. Don't let the problem become your identity. Don't let it become the focus till you're sick about it. Maybe you're here tonight and you say, all you talk about is your sickness. All you talk about is your mistake. All you talk about is your anxiety. All you talk about is your breakup. All you talk about is your loss. My advice to you is keep on living. Keep on living. Stay to the same routine. Stay to the same routine. The doctors may have said this or that. Don't stop going to the gym over it. Don't stop being the sweet, nice you. Stay in the same routine. Go to church. It amazed me the number of people that don't want to go to church because they got offended at somebody. <laughs> and they say, and I told you before, they say, well, there's hypocrites at the church. Well, there's hypocrites at Walmart, but you go there. Keep on going. You might be sitting right next to Sister Hoopendiddle. Go ahead and praise the Lord. Keep your same routine. Don't let the problem be your identity. There's some people, they're just known for their crisis. Here she comes. Used to have this brother that uh, always was quitting on me. He'd always want to quit, <clears throat> quit ministry, quit the church, quit his wife, quit his kids, quit his, I mean, that's the way he always was talking about, I'm just going to quit. I got so tired. <laughs> now, please, I am a merciful person. Don't get mad at me here, okay? If you got any problems, you take it to Pastor Hill. He'll take care of it. <laughs> but this brother was always quitting quit, quit, I quit, I'm going to quit the church. Every time he needed a meeting, I knew what it was about. You know what it was about? He's going to quit. So finally, I got some Jethro principle about me and some wisdom, and I did like Jethro told Moses, you need some people to help you or you are going to wear yourself out. Because folks can wear you. And so... I said, I want you to talk to Pastor Wayne. <laughs> I felt that load lift. <laughs> After the meeting was over, I asked Pastor Wayne, how'd it go? He said, well, he wanted to quit. I said, what'd you say? He said, when he said he wanted to quit, Pastor Wayne looked at him and said, again? <laughs> Woo, that has been my salt shaker, I'm telling you. Again? Look over at somebody and say, you want to quit again? You giving up again? Woo, it's quiet in here. It's quiet in here. Don't let your temporary event become your permanent label. Don't let it identify you. Your roots run deeper than that. In the scripture, Thomas doubted that Jesus rose from the dead. 
Eight days later, eight days later, new beginnings stepped in. And Jesus appeared to Thomas and he changed his mind. Thomas's doubting was just for a short time. Eight days, a little over a week. His short eight days labeled him for the rest of his life as doubting Thomas. Don't let a temporary situation become your permanent label. <laughs> Sometimes people will try to label you. And if you don't stay on the offensive and keep moving forward, you'll become what happened to you. You'll become what they said. Who am I talking to? I close with this, that it, the Apostle Paul in the Scripture had to deal with unfair situations. The apostle, the bishop. <laughs> the Bible says he was falsely accused and beaten with rods. The Bible said he was lied about and put in prison. The Bible said he was shipwrecked, spent a night in the open sea without food and water. And if you study his life, it was one challenge after another. But in Acts chapter 20, he gives us the secret of how he remained victorious. And he said this, none of these things move me. I am steadfast. I am unmovable. And I am always abounding in the work of God. There's an ingredient there for me that I've had to hold on to. None of these things move me. He said, yeah, I was falsely accused. Yes, but I didn't let it steal my joy. Yes, I didn't spend my whole life trying to pay somebody back. I let God be my vindicator. Yes, I was shipwrecked. Plans didn't go like I thought they would. But I didn't complain. I knew that God was in control. Because none of these things <laughs> moved me. He wrote more than half of the New Testament from a prison cell. Not on the French Riviera. Not in Florida with palm trees. He did it in a prison cell. And he couldn't see that well, so had other people had to write for him. And he'd send out these letters that you and I feast from today. And we draw our strength. And he said the secret of it all was that none of these things moved me. I thought about AJ and Nina, the young, young people that lived with Beverly and I for a year who were, grew up in this church whose mom passed away, Belinda Rivers. And I thought about one of the first nights that they stayed in our home. And we were sitting out on the patio and AJ began to weep. And he said, if I could, he said, he said, if I could have my mom back, I would never complain about not having food again. If I could have my mom back, I would never complain about just barely getting by if I could just have her back. By the time he got the help he needed through counseling and prayer and the Holy Ghost, you saw this young man lifting his hands in worship. And he let God be his peace. Ended up winning state champion in throwing the discus for Ben Davis. Hallelujah. Went on to Rose Holman with a full ride for mechanical engineering. He was here Sunday praising God again. Somehow, somewhere between hot sauce and lineups, Some of you don't know what I said, but I'm saying.
Some of you already know. I learned a whole bunch of stuff. I'll have to give you the flavor of the Kool-Aid later, but I, I, I don't even know if I said that right. Oh, thank you. Somewhere on the other side, he came to the place where he said, none of these things move me. I wonder tonight if our roots would run more than shallow, that we won't get offended every time something happens we don't like. Get upset and talk bad, mad at this person, mad at that person, mad at the church, mad at the government, mad at everybody. I'm just mad. Take your roots a little deeper. Amen. Look over at somebody, just tap them on the shoulder and say, I'm so glad you were here to hear this one. I know you were. I'm so glad you needed this. Amen. Father, tonight, as we begin praying, I want to ask our prayer team to come and stand across the front. Pastors, elders, leaders, ministers, help me in prayer team. As we begin to pray, I want to ask you tonight. The Bible says, they that are sick, let them call for the elders of the church and let them anoint with oil. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick and if they've committed any sin they shall be forgiven where two or three would agree as touching any one thing the Bible says it shall be done the scripture said you have not because you ask not if you're here today and you say pastor there is a need in my life a pebble a boulder situation that is beyond my control but today I realize that my help cometh from the Lord and I know that I love God and I know that he loves me, but I also need encouraging faith because there is a faith that cometh. For the Bible said that faith cometh by the hearing of the word. There is an inherent faith that you were born with, a faith that can attach itself to anything it chooses to and believe simply because it wants to. And then there is a mountain-moving faith, a faith that comes from supernatural blessings from the Holy Ghost, where you can say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and cast into the sea. And then there is a faith that cometh. Faith cometh by the hearing of the word. That's where your faith begins to grow. And then there is divine faith where the power of God moves on your behalf simply because you belong to him. Hallelujah. I think there's some people tonight in this room, all of us included, but somewhere, somehow, we need to exercise these levels of faith. And if that's you, well, nobody's looking. It don't matter if they are anyhow. Just come to the front and let us pray with you tonight. They're going to lead us in worship. I think it would just be wonderful if we could have a season of prayer and let our faith bring us into deep waters tonight. Would you come? Thank you for listening to this podcast from Bethel Family Worship Center. 